0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to What the Fuck's Up podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kelly, and today I'm here with Andre Años, also known by his stage name of RAC. So hello, Andre. Thank you so much for coming to the Zoom studio today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
0: Okay, so just for a little background, if you don't know who RAC is, um, that's kind of a bummer for you, but now you will. <laughs> so Andre slash RAC, I'm just going to call you Andre the rest of the episode. Yeah, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> for introduction purposes, RAC is a Portland-based Portuguese-American record producer. He started his career doing fire remixes, (laughs) such as the Lana Del Rey Blue Jeans remix, which if you haven't heard, you all have to listen to after you're done. And in May, he released his third album, Boy, which features a huge array of really impressive artists from Louis and the Child to St. Lucia. He also recently released a really fun cover of Third Eye Blind's classic, Never Let You Go, featuring Hilary Duff and her musician husband, Matthew coma. Andres Burke is featured in tons of commercials for big brands, including Hulu, Apple and Uber. And he has performed at some of the biggest music festivals in the world, including but not limited to Coachella, Outside Lands and Lollapalooza. He was also nominated for a Grammy in 2016, then went on to win a Grammy in 2017 for his remix of Bob Moses's Tearing Me Up. So basically, your list of accolades is just too long. Um, So I'm not going to keep going because it's just going to get pretentious. But without further ado, you're like, wait, wait, this is actually a really good boost for my day. Did I miss anything? Yeah. (laughs) You're like, I think you've covered my entire Wikipedia page. I'm so excited to talk to you today because your music, it's defined like so many different periods of my life. (laughs) It really has. First year remixes, I remember they were the coolest thing during that. <laughs> Anyone from New York will kind of know what I'm talking about, but there was this like Terminal 5 phase of life where we would go yeah. and we'd see like Block Party and all these other cool bands that you'd worked with. So there's that era. And then in 2014, when you released Strangers, I would just be like, bumping that all summer because you have that really fun summer light but cool sound so this is so exciting to get to talk to you yeah, about your no, the, music this, the, yeah it's it's
1: it's wild it's kind of funny thinking back on it because i don't really spend a whole lot of time dwelling on it to be honest it's like yeah well it's only like in situations like this where i'm like oh yeah okay well that, you know that <laughs> I was have interesting
0: to
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was an interesting period of my life yeah. and you know kind of a whirlwind type of thing like i, I almost in a way, like, kind of didn't plan for it and and Mm -hmm. just kind of was along for the ride. And I think the thing that really comes up a lot, like, when I think about it's like, wow, that was quick. I mean, especially early days, like, with the remixes, you know, there was a moment where... I, things are doing really well in that world, like SoundCloud, Hype Machine, and I was sort of like, oh, this is going to last forever. This is going to be <laughs> great. This is going to be cool. And, you know, and then that moment passes, and then you're on to the next thing, and yeah. it's just, you know, your life kind of changes so quickly. And before you know it, like, it's just, you're in a different era. There's a different, it's a whole different group of artists that are important. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of fascinating to kind of think back on it. My personality, I just tend to kind of focus on the future and just kind of move on <laughs> quickly. I think that's so.
0: good. You're someone who you could just be like, yeah, I had that amazing period where I was remixing all this cool stuff. And, you know, that stopped being a thing. SoundCloud's not as popular, but you've evolved <laughs> and changed with it. So that's that's what you have to do. You're keeping relevant. And you're still like... I mean, I don't, I feel like I'm like mansplaining, woman splaining <laughs> your music to you. I'm like, this is your first phase, but I feel like yeah. your sound is still very consistent in some ways. Like, mm-hmm. you still kind of have that like indie rock kind of edge to your stuff. Yeah, I would say you could say differently because it's your music. No, no I, I mean, like
1: it's again, it's interesting, like thinking about it, because like I don't think about it in, in a sense, like it's just it just comes out naturally. And I've made that a point in my career just to kind of do what feels right and what feels yeah. natural and not try to do a specific genre totally. or like try to be something that I'm not. I'm just like, these are my interests. These are my influences. Yeah. This is sort of what comes through naturally. And that kind of became my sound. And it's such a cliche thing when, you know, like other musicians or whatever that are starting out like ask me for advice. I mm-hmm. my biggest thing is like be yourself, do your own thing. Yes. Like try to find your own voice, whatever that means for you. And I get
0: the advice too. I think it applies to a lot of stuff in
1: life. Exactly. And like it has this added benefit that if you're able to do that and do it well, you kind of carve out your own world. And then you kinda own that little world. I mean maybe some people try to rip you off a little bit but but they're not being genuine. So I think people can kind of see through that. Have you had people so,
0: try to rip off your stuff? A uh, I mean bit. maybe
1: not not overtly. But <laughs> I, I, I could I could maybe there's a couple of tracks that I've seen do very well that are like, "Hmm, okay.
0: I wonder hmm. where you got that idea from." Yeah. Well, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. That's when you know you've made it, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess so.
0: So, I want to start I know you said you don't think back on things a lot, but just because I was reading about your career and learning all these things that I didn't know beforehand, you have such an interesting story. So Mm -hmm. I'd love it if you could start out by talking a little bit about your experience getting into music. I know I was reading this story about you in college just reaching out to James Mercer of The Shins, (laughs) which is like, wow, you had balls from the beginning to be able to just get up and do that. So yeah, if you could just get into kind of the beginning of your career, I think that would be awesome.
1: Yeah. So first of all I had nothing to lose like I was <laughs> I was you know right like what's the worst thing that can happen right. he's going to ignore my email or say no or whatever but but just like backtracking like a, a tiny bit yeah. I I've been interested in music my whole life. I'm not gonna go through the whole story, but but um, you're not
0: gonna be on here for hours telling yeah, me about yeah. your entire life.
1: Okay, fine. But but basically, like, as a kid, my, yeah. my parents got me into music. I started with piano, and then later got into guitar. Mm-hmm. And guitar—that's really where I, you know, I was passionate about it. And I had started to do a little bit of recording when I was younger, like starting about like 15, kind of dabbled in it until I was maybe like 18, 19. And then I started to do like uh, remix competitions and all these like websites back in the day that don't exist anymore. But
0: what were they called?
1: I think one was called Acid Planet, uh, which is a hilarious name. Sick name. <laughs> but uh, So I, I had sort of entered a couple competitions. I actually won one or two. I got like runner up in one for the Chemical Brothers, which I was like really stoked about. And later on, then I sort of like this is 2005. I just reached out to Block Party, actually. It's funny you mentioned them. Um, oh, my
0: God. I love them. And I know you've and, worked with the lead singer. Yeah,
1: with Kelly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it all started there. So it was like in 2005, pre-RAC. I just reached out to, it was kind of funny because it was Vice Records, so I don't know if you know, like, Vice TV and like Yeah, all that. yeah. They had a record label at the time.
0: Does that exist still? No, right?
1: No, I don't think so. Uh, so anyway, I reached out to them, and I was like, hey, I'm just a remixer. Can I remix a Block Party song? And they're like, okay, here you go, you know? So that was my first, like, official remix, and this was before RAC.
0: Were they big then?
1: They had just come out with uh, an EP, so it was before their first album. So it was, like, pretty early. So you caught uh, them
0: at a good time.
1: I guess so. Uh, yeah, I guess I got kind of lucky there. I just loved the music. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, so uh, I was like, I got to at least try to do this. But I had no concept of anything. I was just a kid, you know.
0: Just a kid yes. winning competitions. <laughs> I had I had no concept.
1: <laughs> okay, man, I, I was trying. I was trying pretty hard, you know. Uh, I'm downplaying it a little bit. But, um, I thought so. So then fast forward like a year or two, I'm in college. And by then I had moved to the U.S. I was in this small school in the middle yeah. of Illinois.
0: In Illinois, just like me, but you <laughs> didn't go Northwestern. You went to—I wrote it down. I have such a bad. Oh, it's this place
1: called Greenville College. Yes. Yeah, it's very small. It's actually—they call it university now. I'm like, they've uh, upgraded. <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> upgraded. Anyway, weird place. But so I was a sophomore in college, and I had this internship requirement for my music business degree, and you know, I was in the middle of nowhere. It's like I'm not going to get an internship anywhere. So I was like, okay, what can I do? I can—I knew remixing kind of. So I was like, okay, maybe I can. Start start a business. And that was my initial idea for RIC was to start a business, wow. basically.
0: In sophomore year of college, you're just like, yeah. man, I can't find anything around here <laughs> and I'm not going back to Portugal. Okay, I'll start a business.
1: Right, <laughs> Insane. right. Insane. I love it. I mean, I've always been sort of entrepreneurial yeah. from the get-go, but like that was, I was in bands and things like that, but nothing was really working, breaking into the music industry. So I was like, okay, I'll start a business. Maybe that's my angle, just like through the industry side. Very smart. And... The whole idea was to basically have me and then have like a whole bunch of other people do remixes for hire, for labels, artists, whatever. It's kind of like remixing as a service.
0: Yeah, because I learned this when I was researching you. RAC stands for Remix.
1: Artist Collective. Was... I got it. Yeah. I was
0: nervous about it, but I was on the right track. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, yeah, I know you got it. But to be fair, like I've honestly, I dropped the name a long, long time ago. It just doesn't mean anything anymore. It's grown to be something much more. Yeah. yeah, much more than that. Definitely. But you know, at the time, that was the idea. It was like, okay, it's a short name, it's an acronym. I
0: like it. It's cool.
1: And the whole idea was just to kind of create something around that, and it was meant to be a group of people. Like, and I, I brought in a couple friends of mine that I knew from remixing, and I was like, okay, I'm going to do all the legwork. I'm going to try to get in with these labels and be like, hey, if you ever need remixes, we're here. You know, like that kind of a thing. I was trying to be that person. And, you know, develop relationships with the industry. And what ended up happening is that everybody kept asking for me to do it. So I kept trying to get work for all these other people. And it just, it just wasn't happening. Like, they were like, no, 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 we want you. It's was like, oh, okay.
0: Well, <laughs> that's that's a good sign in retrospect. Not a bad problem yeah, to have. Yeah, yeah.
1: But not exactly what I was trying to do. So. Got it.
0: Because you were trying to be the business guy.
1: Exactly. Okay. I so. mean, I, I love the creative side of it, too. But, like, uh, you know, I was trying to build a business. So And then do my band stuff on the side. And that's where I would sort of have my creative outlet and i didn't anticipate that taking off roundabout way to get to james mercer but basically in maybe mid uh, 26 or 2000, 2016.
0: yeah i was like i think you were good by then
1: 2006
0: shave 10 years off yeah.
1: yeah oh my god it's been so long uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i just had this idea then and i was like okay i'll just start emailing like literally everybody i set up a website i just started emailing everybody Any contact, anything that I found, any label, I was literally cold emailing everybody. I had all these, like, templates for, like, different types of labels, like, to, to email them. And I was just trying to pitch myself and trying to make it seem, you know, like an official business, which we were not.
0: But, uh, <laughs> That's not. how you always have to start, though. Of course. Fake until right? you make it a little bit.
1: Absolutely. And I got nothing back for months and months and months. And I think maybe November or something like that, 2006, I went to the Shins website and I saw that they had an album coming out. So I was like, OK, maybe I'll hit them up because they actually had a phone number. Wow. Wow. Their manager's phone number.
0: I feel like they've since taken that. Down.
1: Yeah, 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 that's what. <laughs> <fun. laughs> it's interesting looking back on this because it's this guy, Ian Montone, which is like a very well-known manager now. And he probably was at the time, too, but I just like, I just called him. He's like, hey, uh, I'm a remixer. Can I have a go at remixing something off the new Shins record? And, you know, I had basically nothing to lose. And also, worst case scenario, I would get to hear the album before anybody else. And like, So that also...
0: <laughs> was sick. Win-win.
1: Yeah, exactly. Again, I was just trying to start something. And uh, I had nothing but time. You know, sophomore year, it's like nothing (laughs) yeah nothing serious is happening sophomore
0: slump but kind of the opposite for you but we're not there i'm jumping the gun
1: so uh i call him he's like i think at that point in time you know remixing was not really associated with indie bands like it was just not a thing so i think they were like oh, okay, I mean, sure, have a go at it, you know, whatever, try it out and...
0: No one had ever asked them before probably.
1: To be honest, I I don't think so, like, it it was just, you know right time, right place kind of thing and he was like, okay, yeah, I'll talk to the band and I'll I'll bring it up next meeting. I'm like okay, sweet (laughs) let me know. And then, like, I think maybe a month went by, I was in class and this is a small school, small classes it's not the kind of class you can just duck out, you know and I, like, pulled out my flip phone. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. <laughs> yeah, it was a razor. It was like worse than that. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, nice. it wasn't even that nice. I love that. And uh, I noticed it was like a New York number or whatever from this guy. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. I was like, I got to go. I just got to go. So I pick up the phone and it's Ian. And he's like, yeah, the band loves the idea. They checked out your stuff and they want you to have a go at it. I'm like, oh my God, this is this happening?
0: <laughs> I'm so excited for 2006 <laughs> you right
1: now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I spent like a couple weeks on it, you know, just working on it. They sent me the files. They sent me like CDs with all the files, oh my and gosh. like this never happens anymore, you know, right? Yeah. Like people just send you like a, a WeTransfer link or a Dropbox link or whatever. <laughs> so you know, I did I did the remix. I, I spent a lot of time on it. Which um, song
0: was it again? It
1: was a song called "Sleeping Lessons."
0: Oh, the album too is so good.
1: Yeah, that whole album is is amazing, and I, I feel so fortunate that I got to work on it. It was such a moment in time for them, and again, just in hindsight, it's all like so cool to look back. On, but at the time it was just like, oh, the third Shinza record or something.
0: Yeah, you didn't even know how epic it would be
1: right yeah and so just to kind of round out the story like basically i spent a couple weeks on it i I remember making a conscious choice okay like i'm not gonna do the typical dance remix this is the shins we're talking about like let me do this something for them you know something that i think that they would appreciate you know so i'm using acoustic guitars i'm trying to do something that actually makes sense for the original song and like doesn't ruin it basically (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like
0: you're so funny you sell yourself so short you're like i just didn't want to ruin it for them (laughs) (laughs) They heard my stuff and liked it,
1: so. It's just, it's using common sense, like, let me do something appropriate, and. Definitely. So I did that, and they ended up loving it, and it was really cool, like, James ended up emailing me directly, and it was like, like, oh my god, this is so cool, and. So they ended up coming through St. Louis. I live closer to St. Louis and they were playing at the pageant, which is like the big venue in St. Louis. And I was like stoked about it. So I, I went there to see them. And I remember emailing the manager and he was like, oh yeah, I'll get you a plus one. And I had no idea what a plus one was. So I was like, <laughs> oh, what, what does that mean?
0: Such a baby.
1: Yeah, I know. I was like, does that mean I can get in for free? And he was like, yeah, you can come. Just your your name will be on the guest list.
0: Did you get to be backstage or anything? Yes. Okay, wow. so so
1: yeah, it was after the show. I waited by the backstage. I called the tour manager and he let me in. He introduced me to the band and James was so nice, such a nice guy. And like looking back on it, he said something that really kind of changed my life. But the thing is like, I, I think he was just being nice to me cause I was a kid. So I, you I don't know.
0: I, I, I know, but I'm like sure he, it was genuine to some extent,
1: but basically he told me that he, he liked it more than the original and like, okay. It's like, oh my God. so that, that was like, a, at the time I was like, I really internalized that. And, and it was like a real motivator for me because it was sort of justifying the choices that I had made
0: Totally.
1: of like doing something that felt real and felt true to the song and that felt appropriate that I could win over the artist, at least on that level. And even if he was just being super yeah. nice, he still liked it. So that really solidified that kind of direction for me. And I've never kind of deviated from that ever since. So it's like right from the beginning, I I just got lucky. And um, he was so nice and courteous. I've not seen him since then, but...
0: (laughs) But that's amazing. I mean, it's so crazy how we just have all of these like very fleeting moments in our lives. And Mm -hmm. you never know how your words are going to impact someone. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe he's seen your stuff since.
1: He should have. We have since. We we have talked. We just haven't hung out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Amazing. But like... It's just so interesting how like little choices like that, like you choosing to just pick up the phone and call right. and change the entire course of your life and be... Something that kind of defines the way you've led your career and how you've made your music. That's such yeah. a cool story.
1: Yeah. No, wow. it's it's crazy how even the remixing thing, like looking back on it, like I really I was not planning to make a career out of this. It was just like something I like to do on the side. I thought maybe I could make an income from it. Like that was my highest aspiration. <laughs> <laughs> it's like maybe I can make an income. Yeah. You know, it's like maybe I could be a professional musician. So, like, if I had known the extent of where this would go, I, I would, I would freak out. Basically, <laughs>
0: <laughs> sophomore, you would have the best day of his life. That's so <laughs> wow! Oh my god, I can't imagine. And. Also, for that to be going on in college, were you
1: distracted,
0: or oh, was yeah. it? I was
1: like math class. Was like you're like, uh, can I uh, yeah, leave now? Yeah, do I need to be here? Like,
0: sorry, I was talking to James Mercer the other day. <laughs> like, I'm out.
1: Actually, I have kind of a funny story because like yeah. I I mentioned the internship mm-hmm. thing. So I was uh, basically from then on, I've been working in the industry ever since then, and. I convinced the dean of the school to let me intern with myself.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) That is the most entrepreneurial thing I've ever heard in my life.
1: Yes, basically. So I got, like, college credit for interning with myself. That's so uh, cool. (laughs) And uh, that was my ticket into that world, you know. But yeah, I I remember at the time, like taking music business classes and learning about stuff that I was kind of already learning in real life, you know, so it was kind of cool to already have my foot in the door. No, that's actually
0: so nice. Because I mean, when I went to Northwestern, I majored in acting. So obviously, Mm -hmm. that was really helpful. But because of the rest of my course load, because the way Northwestern works, it's not an MFA program, it's a BA. So gotcha. It's intense. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Especially like if you're in a show and I was in acapella, I was spending hours, I would lose my voice from singing too much. <laughs> like there was definitely more than enough emphasis on doing all of that. But I still had to complete all these other requirements. So there just really wasn't time to be auditioning and then Chicago, right. you know, it has some stuff, don't get me wrong, no shade to Chicago actors. <laughs> but but it it wasn't really, you know, the stuff I'm looking to do is mostly New York and LA. So it was weird because you're kind of in this very professional setting preparing, but it would have been so nice to be doing it alongside as I'm learning about it. Right. Like I feel yeah. like that's also just what people complain about with college in general. They're like, how did that, you know? Like, Like, random history course prepare me for tax season like right,
1: exactly yeah taxes is like the best example because people are like wait how do i do my taxes it's like
0: i'm still <laughs>
1: like just basic life skills you know
0: exactly but i mean i guess you didn't know going in that you are going to do like remixes necessarily or the exact trajectory your career was going to take but at least you were doing the music business major because mm-hmm. i mean that's so incredibly helpful and then suddenly you're interning for yourself oh my god <laughs> <laughs> oh my
1: gosh, so funny. But the one thing about the music industry, and especially learning about it in school, I mean, maybe it's different for acting, but like basically everything that I learned was, so, it's like more like music business history because things change so quickly that by the time you're learning about it, especially from a book, I mean, it's just so outdated. Like the classic Donald Passman yeah. music industry book, like it, it's great information, don't get me wrong, but it's like, by the time you're learning it, it's already outdated. By the time it's in print, you know, with the internet, things move so quickly that it's like, maybe you have a sense of like how people used to do things, but you just have to kind of stay with it, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's especially for music, but everything now with the rate at which technology is changing and developing, yeah, that's so funny to think about it. So you're kind of like learning as you go still.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, even this album versus the past two, completely Mm -hmm. different.
0: Yeah, I actually wanted to bring that up. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll go back during the quarter life qualms segment.
1: Am I I setting up that segue for you? Yeah,
0: thank you. (laughs) Thank you. for giving me that appreciate it but yeah i mean i i wanted to talk about your latest album boy it's such a great album so well done but then we're talking about learning as you go and having to kind of think on your feet and with this album you were thrown all these new you know curveballs with the pandemic so that was crazy because i mean how you were working on that album for years right yeah. and you could never have anticipated that this not, was going no. to happen yeah so can you talk some about like what that's been like that whole experience and the album yeah,
1: yeah 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 so there's maybe two sides of this there's the sort of creative side of it which actually i will say the creative side is kind of the same like you know you work on music and you work with different people at least for me like that's the model that i work with basically it's like i'll write instrumentals and then work with different vocalists to sort of finish the song so that that actually kind of stay the same but the business side has changed dramatically so just for context i guess like thinking back on like the first one like strangers when that came out most of our sales were like itunes like selling mp3s on itunes like spotify was an afterthought
0: so that was 2014, right?
1: Yeah, that was 2014.
0: Wow. And also, I'm sorry, I have to throw in. I'm so annoying. You're talking <laughs> no, no, about you're <laughs> your career. But then I've read these like little tidbits. I'm like, wait, that's so crazy. The fact that you named it strangers because you hadn't met half the people or I don't know how many people on the album.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Most of the people I hadn't met. That was the whole idea behind the title was because I had, I did it all through the internet, which at the time was kind of a novel thing, but now it's like the norm, which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Look at you being ahead of the
1: curve. <laughs> I guess so. You don't even
0: need to learn and grow. You're setting the standard. I love it.
1: <laughs> Your words, not mine, but I'll, <laughs> yes, I'll take I said it. it. I'll take it. So, you know, yeah, it was like I was doing everything remotely, again, because I was living in Portland and, you know, not really in LA, which is where a lot of yeah. this kind of stuff happens. Yeah. So, so, you know, it was like a lot of iTunes sales and like Spotify, like nobody even cared about Spotify at the time. And I think it was really just iTunes and maybe some vinyl sales. And that's about it. So the second one, by that time, Spotify was a big deal. So it was more Spotify focused. I think we still try to do like radio campaigns. Like radio is still important.
0: Nice.
1: Uh, You know, to try to hit radio stations, which by the way, it's a shady ass business. Like people still like. uh,
0: Really? Well, good thing I'm getting into podcasting and not radio.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Like where you have to like, you basically pay your way in. To get
0: interviewed?
1: Not so much the interview side, but like just to get played basically. Oh. It's like there's a whole. That's even shadier. There's a whole shady business of like, like I can talk about this now because i'm not trying to get on radio anymore so yeah
0: <laughs> sorry radio we don't even care
1: i don't know like it's 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 kind of a, a known secret at this point it's not like everybody in in that world kind of knows that it's super shady and okay this is how it works just as a side note here, here's the dirt insider basically,
0: information
1: basically this is how it works is like if you want to get on radio you have to hire a radio promotion company spend maybe 25 to 50 grand on them what And, and I mean, this isn't me personally. This is like the label, not me. Okay. okay Got it. Just for context. Okay. (laughs)
0: Okay. I was like, what? So, okay. okay, That makes a little more sense. You pay these
1: companies, and then they basically go to these radio stations and give them money. And so it's, they give them the money, and then they book you to play these radio festivals. So, what they do is, if you see X. Oh my God, uh, the
0: Z100. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The Z100. Whatever, whatever (laughs) radio station.
0: That's the only one I used to go to that. Not going to lie. So, so, they, (laughs) were usually
1: free or like super cheap right Mm -hmm. so what the bands are forced to then play those for free and then they collect the money at the door and keep all the money so they don't
0: (gasps) they don't pay the artists no
1: maybe sometimes they pay for costs to be fair but the thing is like during that period leading up to their radio festival that's when they put you on the radio so they'll they'll put you into rotation or whatever and they'll play your song but literally the day after those festivals you're you're gone you're You're out out and and rinse and repeat and they just keep doing this and um they basically, technically, made payola. It's called payola, whatever. They've made it illegal, but they found ways around it. You know loopholes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I
0: mean, <laughs> as crazy and like shitty as that is, it's not totally surprising to of course me. Not, no. For you and your career, it's like. That's also what's nice about you having that business knowledge and having control over some of the business side is that when you're talent, like you're low on the totem (laughs) pole. And it's so crazy because especially if you're, you know, someone who dreams of being creative, you think like, oh, these amazing figures that we look up to, actors, singers, Mm -hmm. et cetera, they must be at the top. But it's like they had to be treated like shit and kicked around for so long to get to that point. Like it's such a small percentage. Percentage of people who are actually privileged enough to be treated well when they're also the talent. It, it's oh, it's
1: insane. insane. It, the, the odds are stacked. I didn't really know about that when I first got into this and I'm kind of glad I didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice.
1: <laughs> I just wasn't aware of the odds. But then again, my, my highest aspiration was really just to kind of be a professional musician. Like I wasn't even totally trying to be an artist or be any of that.
0: So I totally cut you off. No,
1: no, no. It's like I kind of went on a tangent about radio It was a fun
0: tangent. Tangents are good sometimes. You got to do them. So,
1: okay, so I guess moving on to the, the new album, I guess like going into this one, you know, I'd obviously learned like a whole bunch of different things, but the industry had shifted quite a bit. I mean, the second album was already pretty Spotify heavy, but this one was like all about Spotify and Apple, like all about the streaming services. And like, I mean, iTunes basically shut down at this point. Actual sales of MP3s, you know, that is gone which is yeah which is interesting there's
0: apple music but i honestly i don't really know apple music
1: effectively apple music is very similar to spotify so it's like the it's it's sort of a replacement for itunes in a way so Mm -hmm. people aren't buying so monthly yeah, yeah 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 so people aren't buying mp3s or anything like that but they're subscribing monthly and to be fair apple actually pays double i think what spotify pays so okay so you know going into this one i guess what i'm getting at is it was a lot more digitally focused you know we're not talking about radio campaigns we're not talking about like physical, I mean, we made vinyl and CDs and stuff like that, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, a big it wasn't far, the
0: focus. Yeah. Right.
1: We basically decided we really made a point to do digitally focused things. We had done billboards. We'd done like things like that. And we're just not doing any of that. And basically we're going to put it all into ads or any, mm-hmm. basically anything that can give us a return on our investment essentially so it it was in a way it was like money focused but not really it was more like treating a little bit more like a business and through that framework we really rethought a lot of stuff so we spent significantly less money on like press like pr um which can be a huge cost i'm sure which it it can be very good like early on but it's also like just an ego inflator you know totally so we're really focused on digital first and stuff like instagram ads or tiktok campaigns or we're basically paying influencers to post the song
0: tiktok campaigns this is oh it's a dark world it's a dark oh world
1: my god
0: <laughs> it's fine i actually oh my god this is sorry i'm very much digressing here but there is this no, thing i saw recently that my friend sent me that was tiktok gen z's making fun of millennials and it was the <laughs> darkest thing i've ever seen like it was just i guess the video it, the comments were on must have been like either a millennial e video or making fun of millennials but <laughs> all the comments it was just so dark it was like which harry potter character am i like i'm a millennial like oh my god anyways that's amazing I digress. Actually. it was so so funny it's so funny i'll I, send it to you uh, after because i'm yeah. on the
1: older end of the millennial i'm still technically a millennial
0: <laughs> congrats
1: yeah yeah 85 yeah. so it's like uh, yeah you're definitely.
0: kind of. <laughs> anyways so TikTok. Ads that makes sense, no.
1: right? So, yeah. so, so it was, it was very digital focused, and it was all about building up social media, building up the visual component of it. I really wanted it to be cohesive, you know. So hired some, like, amazing artists to, like, help out with the album artwork.
0: Which was great, by the way. It's amazing. Thank you, yeah.
1: I mean, I I can't take credit for it because I just found this amazing artist on Instagram of all places. So it's this guy named uh, Andres Reisinger, and I loved his artwork. I thought it was really cool. It was very architectural. It was these weird spaces that look like real physical spaces but are actually completely CGI, like, completely 3D renders. Really? Yeah, they're completely made up.
0: Wait, for your artwork as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, everything. It's all it's all 3D, which is amazing, oh, right? Because it doesn't cool. look like it. That's really
0: cool, yeah. Because <laughs> you'd wow. think it would be
1: like in a gallery or a museum or something like that.
0: Yeah, or just, I don't know, some kind of space. Like, okay, wow, it looks real.
1: Yeah, I know it does, right? It looks right? like photography. And, and that's what's so cool about it is that these guys, they went to maybe architecture school or whatever and, like, and just decided to do 3D art. And so I found this one artist. He's from Argentina, but he's based in Barcelona. And so basically my whole approach is like, let me get somebody that doesn't do music stuff at all you know like like an architect you know let let me get an architect (laughs) to do album art you know it's like that could be interesting right and his color palette i think matched some of the other stuff i had done so it was like kind of felt like it, it could be appropriate And I just reached out. Again, a cold email or a message on Instagram. I was like, hey, can I license this one photo?
0: You DM'd him? Yeah,
1: I just DM'd him. And uh, he was like, oh my God, I grew up with your music. I love it. It's like, oh, what? Like, this is crazy.
0: So that's such a win-win.
1: Yeah. So he was really stoked about it and like he's like Forbes 30 and 30 type of like level. He's, he's very like on the cover architectural digest, like, like stuff like that. Like he's, he's an important person. He's
0: successful as well.
1: So he really did me a solid basically. Like we were well under his typical budget. Let me put it that way. So, (laughs) so he, (laughs) he was very accommodating and like made some amazing artwork and, and, um, he kind of created this whole world inspired by the music and, Did some, like, video assets, too, and, like, it was just – it was so cool to kind of, like, give an artist space to kind of create something, you know, that's sort of based on what I did.
0: Totally. So he was listening to the music Mm -hmm. in order – wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's
1: really, really cool. I mean, a little bit of direction in terms of, like, I like this aesthetic or something like that, you know. Yeah, or
0: I like this – photo of yours or exactly work of yours rather yeah
1: so yeah he did that and then basically everything else around the album was sort of based on that imagery you know any kind of social media assets or fo- even the photos like were monochromatic like it's kind of basically riffing pink. off of the- very very pink yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know kind of just playing off of that initial theme and that's all him you know so it's all it's all kind of stemming from his his visual ideas and that was cool that was cool for me that's-
0: so cool but then yeah so there's this whole aspect of like growing and changing with it and the artwork was amazing the album was amazing but what was it like when you realized like okay now there's this crazy pandemic happening I can't (laughs) I can't leave my house for three months Could be longer now since we're Americans and we're fucking shit up again, because that's just, that's how we like to live our lives. (laughs) Literally, New Zealand has no cases, and we're just like, okay, we're reopening, it's getting worse, (laughs) or at least in LA. Yeah. But what, yeah, so what was it like when you realized, okay, shit, I'm releasing this album, but I can't go on tour anymore. I have to, you know, like I can't meet in person or mm-hmm. do some kind of like celebratory thing for the album right. coming out. Was it weird? Was it different? Yeah, c-
1: celebrating the album release at home. Yeah, it's, it's a bit weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you usually have big parties?
1: Not like a big party, but yeah, like maybe with some friends. you <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, yeah, we have a good time. But um, no. So, so, you know, we, we were obviously like aware of it unfolding. And I will say, like, I think we got really lucky in the sense that we got all the things that we needed to do in person. We got them done early. And yeah. we were prepared, which was the also... The music video
0: and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Or the music videos. videos. Yeah.
1: We we ended up doing them. This is kind of crazy, but the day that we shot those two music videos was the mm-hmm. last day that venue was open. And it literally shut down. has been closed down ever since. So
0: You got so lucky. So lucky.
1: Yeah, we just really lucked out there. And that was really the last sort of in-person asset type of thing that we needed. As far as the tour goes, that was the kind of big curveball, because typically when an album comes out, you tour it to promote it. And that's typically what happens. But, you know, it's, it's actually interesting because it's proven to me that it's less important than people say it is.
0: Interesting
1: and maybe that's just because this is yeah. the current climate that we're living in but by the way i announced a tour on the day that the nba got canceled so oh, it was like... yeah. <laughs> so oh my god that's
0: our, so funny our
1: timing couldn't have been better it was pretty you know? funny <laughs> I mean, even even on the tour announcement, I was like, hey, "Look, guys, I realize the timing of this is like pretty hilarious, but we're touring." You know, I, I <laughs> yeah. even then I knew, like, I, I remember actually on the day that I was recording the music video, my manager was there, and every time he was like, "Hey, man, can I talk to you?" He's like, "Is the tour getting canceled?" <laughs> <I was>
0: like, <laughs> Did you want it to be canceled?
1: No, I mean, I didn't want it to be canceled, but on the other hand, it was like well, there's a lot of work that goes into it, so I was like,
0: "Yeah, there's so much work."
1: Basically, the month of May would have been like incredibly intense, like preparation, rehearsal and like all this stuff. So I basically got made kind of relax a little bit yeah um,
0: definitely well also after releasing an album there's already so much like build-up yeah. and you were so busy so then to go right from that into touring I mean I guess that's how it usually pans out but it's yeah. I can't imagine how exhausting that is
1: it's it's very intense yeah. and I, I usually and <laughs> every other album I've had like a some kind of mental breakdown mid-tour <laughs> because of it oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> nothing too bad but you know like, I mean,
0: to hear about like at least one mental breakdown because it's kind of in line with the podcast poor life crisis mental breakdown just kidding i don't think i've had a full-fledged mental breakdown I've had crisis moments. I've definitely had a lot of anxiety. So mm-hmm. that tends to be a theme because, you know, just a fun, <laughs> beautiful constant in my life. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. I just, I need to hear a little bit if you have like any stories.
1: Yeah. About, um, yeah. No, it's, there's nothing like terribly funny about it.
0: <laughs> You're like, oh, so you want to get into the darkest points of my life. Okay. okay.
1: No, no, it, it, it's, it's really not that dark. It sort of manifested itself, like, especially on the, on the last record, I was, uh, I was in London. London, of all places. Nice. I was jet-lagged. It was just, like, super, just really out of it. I was, like, it was the tail end of a tour. I was just like, uh-huh. I just need to be home right now. Like, yeah. and, and I kind of had, like, a crisis moment, like, in the hotel room. We're just, like, freaking out where I couldn't think straight. And, like, I was, like, not panicky, but just, like,
0: and you feel like you need to be able to think. You need to be yeah. on because you have all this stuff you have to get done, and you're just like, I can't get hold of my brain right now. Yeah. I can't
1: think about anything. Like uh, yeah. my mind was just blank, and I couldn't focus on anything specifically, and I couldn't do. And people kept hitting me up for this or that or whatever.
0: You're just at that point of being overwhelmed and tired and jet
1: lagged. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah. all of that combined. Touring can be quite grueling, so. When the tour got pushed back, you know, there's a side of me that's like, okay, at least now I have, at least I have some time to like process everything. And when I eventually tour, which I assume I will at some point. Uh,
0: <laughs> Please, God, <laughs> let's I'll, I'll, get this pandemic yeah. under control.
1: Like, I'll be well rested. I'll be prepared. I'll have plenty of time to get ready for it. And people will know the album and it'll be a good time. So it's maybe the way it should be.
0: No, that's actually, that's so nice. And I feel like, especially in the beginning, a lot of people, you know, when things started to shut down did have that sense of release, because I think America in particular, compared to other countries, like we're so work focused, and we're so work heavy, and we don't really give ourselves time to like, take a break. It's almost seen as being lazy, if you're taking a break, or giving time for yourself or getting to like, emotionally taken the fact that you just released right. an album without just like going on tour so <laughs> so that makes absolute sense
1: yeah it, it is kind of crazy like even I noticed it even just recently like you know the music industry took blackout Tuesday started it yes. as a music industry thing yes and it was
0: um, it started as and then it kind of <laughs> it got crazy I actually yeah. I just did an episode with my friend Bell and we were just talking about the current issues that mm-hmm. are going on black lives matter uh, his life growing up being both black and a gay man mm-hmm. and we were talking about just like what a mess blackout tuesday ended up being yeah <laughs>
1: yeah It's the
0: intention was there it was it, good it, it was a
1: good intention but really at the end of it i think it just it sort of reminded me of that when you were talking about like how people never just take time off and it was like what well, we have to take a day off now it's tuesday you know
0: <laughs> yeah that's so interesting to think about it from the perspective of someone actually within the music industry as well yeah
1: I mean, everybody did. To be fair, like everybody did, yeah, and that's awesome. and a lot of companies, my management company, they basically said you're not allowed to email anybody.
0: Oh, that's actually really cool. Yeah, yeah. I really just saw the Instagram side of it, which was right. Amiss, but that side of it sounds like it actually worked out.
1: Yeah. Anyway, it was just you talking about like people being workaholic just reminded me of that. Of like people don't stop, you know.
0: I want to ask one more thing about tour because obviously all those stressors sound very real. But like, what's your favorite part about touring? And which city is one of your favorite
1: cities to tour in?
0: Just out of curiosity. This is yeah. honestly for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> No, um... Touring is interesting because it's both deeply uncomfortable, but also, like, speaking as, like, an introvert and as somebody that usually stays home, you know, like, it's such a big difference from my usual life to get in front of a large group of people and perform. And it isn't even really the performance. I think it's just... I feel like I'm talking about this as a negative thing, but it, it actually is a positive. It's like you get such an adrenaline rush from being up there, and it's unlike anything else, really.
0: I love it. I'm addicted to
1: it. It's it's pretty crazy and and one of the funny things about it to me is that you can prepare all you want but your body does weird things when you're mm-hmm. up there. And like, for example, like for me is like my mouth gets super dry. Like if it's like a big festival or yeah. something like that, my mouth gets super dry and I'll drink water and try to hydrate. And it's like, no, my mouth is still like super dry. And like, At
0: least that's not something that people can see. It's not like your whole body is shaking or you're right. you know, freaking out in some way that's really obvious. But yeah, that is so true. It's like you can prepare all you want and, <laughs> and you do the preparation because like anything, your body starts to kind of internalize it. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. it it helps you in some ways, but then with any kind of live performance, it's live. Like, I'm lucky that I can edit this, but (laughs) (laughs) thank God. I say like more than I admit to, but... um, but, yeah, going on stage, it's such a... Really, anyone who hasn't done it, I feel like everyone has to do it once. Yeah,
1: yeah, Even yeah. Even if
0: they're, like, introvert, just to push themselves. Because Absolutely. it's such a crazy feeling.
1: It's, like, it's not its not really that bad, to be honest. Like, I did this one thing on time I uh, spoke at a conference. Like, I'm not really into public speaking at all.
0: Well, good thing I asked you on my <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> It's a little easier. You're still home and
1: stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, this is chill. So, it, it was in, in front of a crazy group of people, like, like Eric Schmidt from Google, Quincy Jones. Um, <gasps> Quincy
0: like, Jones was there. I'm uh, obsessed with Quincy yeah. Jones. Have and you seen the documentary?
1: Yes, yes, I have, yeah, really and good. I got to yeah. meet him there too. And it was uh, it okay. was a wild experience. Like the Prince of Sweden was there. It was like this crazy, crazy conference, and I, I was like,
0: what was it called?
1: It was called Symposium. It's actually put on by the founder of Spotify. It's like an entrepreneurship thing. That's I was cool. I was there because there was a, a music app and they wanted to bring an artist to like talk about it. So I like I kind of rehearsed what I was going to say. Like I'm fine with winging it to some degree, but still like nerves, like my voice just. It's like, uh, like what? (laughs) Like complete blank, you know, wait, what was I talking about?
0: That was me the first time I recorded this podcast. It was literally (laughs) with a friend. I was like, why am I freaking out? I'm a trained actor. I'm on stage all the time. But yeah, especially when it's your own words and you don't want things to be misinterpreted or, I don't know, taken out of context. Now it's like, yeah, sure. It was taken out of context. But um. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to speak as yourself sometimes versus through like for you, I would assume your music, which you've right. worked so long and hard on and cultivated and edited. Or for me, like when I'm acting, it's like, it's not my words. <laughs> and right, they've also worked right, right. long and hard on making sure that, you know, the language is exactly perfect. So yeah, that, that makes total sense.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of separation there. And there's a lot of work and craft that goes into that, right? Exactly. So to just like yeah. wing it.
0: <laughs> well, what did you did it end up going pretty well?
1: The, the thing is, like, in my head, it went horribly wrong. (laughs) but but like to everybody else it's like oh you were great that was was cool the internal dialogue in my head was like oh my god I never wanna I'm
0: choking yeah yeah,
1: it's (laughs) like that was horrible like take me out of here like I never want to see these people in my life again but then like everybody else was like no that was great if you say so
0: perfect (laughs) we're just gonna go with that we're gonna rewrite that memory as what you said it was (laughs) yeah I've totally been there for me it's like when I sing and I'm like everything will sound good and then like one note Will be slightly flat. I'm like, I was just flat the entire time. I don't even know. Did they walk out? Were they laughing at me? You know, it's just such a crazy experience. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. So that, that reminds me of this one thing that happens at every single show. Okay, there's oh always gosh. that one person at the front of the stage with their arms crossed, just like who just,
0: looks so bored. so <laughs>
1: bored. And like, why are you here? I am why the are headliner you in the front. Like, why did
0: you pay to like, be in the front?
1: The thing is, then like after the show, they'll come to you like that was so good i loved it i'm like that's not what it looked like that you looked like you were miserable the whole time did you really enjoy that and i focus on that person i'm like oh they hate it they hate everything that i'm oh, doing right no. now so
0: <laughs> yeah oh i've totally been there or like you're looking out and you're trying not to focus on one person and then like one person gets up to go to the bathroom and you're like oh they're leaving <laughs> they're gone it's my fault Right. Um, yeah i feel like also when you're a performer it changes your audience behavior Mm -hmm. so i'm like an obnoxious audience member because especially (laughs) if i'm you know somewhere where they can see me i'll go like above and beyond like Mm. screaming like yes that note like you know because you kind of become the opposite because you never want to be that person in the front (laughs) just looking so bored but actually having a good time (laughs) <laughs> okay, so that was amazing. I'm actually glad I tacked that on.
1: You were asking about the city, too, and just real quick. Um, yes,
0: please, please. Uh,
1: there's a couple that are, I think are really strong. San Francisco is pretty special. I'm not sure why. I think just the people like really go crazy. So maybe the tech bros just uh, need, need to, uh, <laughs> like, let loose. The, they
0: love like, the tech aspect of your views.
1: <laughs> maybe that's what it is. That maybe could that's, be a, Yeah, maybe it that's... could be.
0: I feel like that kind of, not to totally stereotype or generalize, but that kind of... <laughs> Of, like, fits no, let's do it. Bill. Let's
1: generalize. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can see San Francisco bros really liking your music. Just saying. Oh, they do. Just bring it up. <laughs> they do. Yeah, <laughs> um, you did outside lands too, right? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that was great. That's
0: probably. Yeah, that's probably my favorite festival I've
1: ever. Oh, it's been it's to. it's a great festival. It's so well done. I actually have a fun story about that one because I was it two years ago. I, I played twice the same day because we were scheduled to play a, a smaller stage or like a second stage or whatever at like six p.m. or something like that. But then we got a call like at one p.m. and they were like, "Hey, a tribe called Quest canceled. They missed their flight. Can you play main stage now?" I'm like, uh, oh my god, you're like uh, uh. again
0: I'm an introvert. <laughs>
1: like, you know, 60, 70,000 people or whatever. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's with a band, so it's fine, but um do you was... always
0: perform with the band? Like uh,
1: At the time I was. Now now I'm not.
0: Okay, that's why I thought.
1: Cool. And first of all, yes, but like, but second of all, I still want my original slot at 6pm because all these people, you know, there's sometimes there's these apps where you like schedule who you want to see at a certain stage or whatever. Yeah,
0: and you all, want like your yeah. real fans to exactly. be like, there not to disappoint them because they scheduled around that. Wow.
1: So I, I was like, yeah. yes, but I want to play twice. And they're like. Uh, I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> so Did
0: you do the same exact set too? Yeah, same
1: exact set. Yeah, yeah. So we ended up actually switching with Little Dragon. So Little Dragon technically took the slot, which I honestly felt better about because it's like uh, people are showing up to see A Tribe Called Quest and here's RAC. It's like, what? <laughs> like, you know, oh, so I, I, I felt I felt good about that. Yeah. And, and um, so we ended up doing two sets that day and it was like, wow. it was amazing.
0: Sorry, I just have to clarify. When you're saying you switched spots with Little Dragon... Did they do it with you at the earlier bigger slot?
1: Oh, Little Dragon was actually going to play main stage, um, but they were going to play before a Tribe Call Quest. So oh, they, I see. They took yeah. the, the Tribe Called Quest slot.
0: And then you took theirs.
1: Yeah, because they were a proper headliner. Got uh, it. Know,
0: yeah. Oh, that's so cool. But so San Francisco is one of your favorites, then? I mean,
1: you know, like, I, I mean, to be honest, LA and New York are obvious. I mean, even Chicago is great. Like I think a lot of the major cities are always great because you get a large group of people That really appreciate your music, you know, and and that's that's ultimately all you need, right? Yeah. Um,
0: What about outside the U.S.?
1: Well, I play in Asia a lot, so like, I I love going out there. Like, for example, I just played Manila, and it's weird out there because, like, okay, so like, my daily life, like, nobody, I walk around Portland, nobody cares, nobody knows who I am. It's like no one gives a fuck, (laughs) basically, and it's fine. I live a very anonymous lifestyle. It's great. Yeah,
0: I was gonna say you're not you're not someone who like. I think of people like Kaigo and like, he's obviously a different kind of brand than you as well, but you know what he looks like. Like, yeah. you say the name and you have an image in your head and you're not really like that.
1: Right. I feel like I have sort of a niche, but strong audience, but it's totally. not like, it's not, I don't think it's a mainstream audience or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my point is, like, nobody cares. And that's great. I love it. <laughs> I can live my life. It's not a big deal. Um, but then I'll go to, yeah, places like Manila or Jakarta, some places like that. And I'll be, like, going to get dinner. And people start lining up for photos. I'm like, oh, my God, what is going on right now? <laughs> like
0: So basically, like, you're the Brad Pitt of Manila. <laughs>
1: it's, but it's, like, really yeah. odd and strange. It's, like, it's sort of a taste of that experience or that inquisition celebrity. celebrity lifestyle yeah. that I do not live at all to be clear but it's really funny and and I've realized I really don't like it so it's fine
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're living your best life then here in America and not yes. moving there anytime soon Yeah, and,
1: and like people are super nice and genuine I, I don't mean to knock that it's just like people totally. are so kind and
0: no it makes sense you don't want to go out the door and be bombarded with people right. it's, it's not that it's not nice or flattering I mean I've always thought about that my idea of success like I always find it so weird when people say they want to be famous right i want to be successful but do i want to be famous like absolutely not I cannot turn it on all the time like that, too. Mm-hmm. It's also a question of that. It's like we were talking about earlier how the Shin's lead singer, his comment, like stuck with you throughout yeah. your life. And it's like if you're at that level of celebrity where people are following you and trying to interact with you any way it takes, then you have to be on to such a crazy level all the time. Like you can't have off days. You can't Absolutely, like yeah. be in a bad mood and be like, no, I don't want to sign your <laughs> journal or whatever. Do people or, even or- or or selfie, selfie or, or whatever yeah, yeah i want to you know. take that yeah, there yeah. we go now that, we're in that. 2020 again
1: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like people are just carrying around journals already <laughs> no th- that was ridiculous but yeah it's like you want to be able to live your life still so right. i think that makes total sense but that's cool that there are some places you can go to and experience it as well my maybe yeah. worst
1: experience with that is yeah. i had one person i think it was singapore where i was eating dinner and somebody came up and they really wanted a photo and i was like okay fine but they were really excited and they kind of were, like, spitting, like, into my food. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, no, no. This
0: wasn't... Around COVID time was it? No, no,
1: no, no. This was this okay. was all this was a long time just ago. Just
0: looking at through that lens like makes it extra repulsive.
1: And yeah. they didn't mean Ooh. it. They were super nice. Like it yeah. was just kind of like
0: just not super self aware, but nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: maybe don't bother somebody during dinner. You know that's yeah. not really appropriate. You know, oh, never. <laughs> that's the worst though. That's the, yeah, for sure. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but that's the extent of it. But again, in the U.S., like super anonymous. <laughs> Nobody cares. I love it. It's great. Oh my
0: gosh, it's so funny. It's like. You're <laughs> Your alter ego, alter life <laughs> once you get to Asia. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to move on to the segment that I call Quarter Life Qualms. So we're going to get into your 20s, talk about how it was. Basically, you know what the podcast is about. Okay, so you're, as we kind of <laughs> discussed earlier, you are no longer in your quarter life, which is totally <laughs> fine. We don't discriminate here. And you're also talking about how your music career began and really took off when you were still in college. So I'm assuming before you even were in your
1: 20s, right? I actually, so I, I started college uh, two years late. So oh. I, I was actually really when things started for me, I was like 21, 22
0: Wow. Um, I can't imagine like my life <laughs> taking off to that extent at that age. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask, how was your experience then of your 20s? And what was it like for you in particular navigating this kind of newfound success during these pivotal years?
1: Yeah, it was it was interesting because it was it yeah. was kind of happening really fast. Like I kind of alluded mm-hmm. to that earlier, where it, when you're in it, you kind of just it just flies by. I'm not talking about my twenties in general. That's such a cliche as like, oh your twenties fly by. Like <laughs> I, I'm not saying that. My twenties took a while to be honest. But yeah. <laughs> but like I, I remember, I, I just remember like a lot of those pivotal moments. They were just like oh well that happened and all right moving on to the next thing. I remember kind of not appreciating it at the time. That's sort of the thing that stuck with me and has made me actually appreciate the good stuff now more because okay. at the time it was like, I didn't have the context to sort of acknowledge what was happening or like appreciate how rare it was, you know, yeah. that I was actually able to do this. I was sort of so hungry for more, you totally. know. Totally.
0: You were so focused on working and the next thing that you weren't necessarily appreciating the moment as much
1: exactly and i mean i was aware that like things were going mm-hmm. really well and that i was you know at the time working with all these different cool labels and stuff like yeah. that and like the first remix got picked up on pitchfork and i'm like my first remix pitchfork you know it's like all right it's sick and then on the next one it's like well the next one didn't get picked up by pitchfork why 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 didn't <laughs> this happen it's like you know I, I was already so like comfortable i was like oh well i want more i, I need more you yeah. know And I think that just kind of goes with the entrepreneurial spirit of never really being settled and never really being completely happy with where you're at, which is a blessing and a curse, you know, Yeah. Um, it keeps you moving forward and keeps you pushing, but it sort of has the end result of never fully, fully enjoying (laughs) the successes
0: or being present. I know I've been trying to like get into meditation and stuff. (laughs) Oh God, I sound so... I'm about to move back to New York, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm gonna have to harden up again. But um, yeah, I've been I've been trying all that stuff, especially with quarantine, because there's so much time to like reflect and look inward, and it forces you to kind of have that presence. Mm -hmm. But when you have all these ambitions and goals, it's really hard to like, just appreciate the good things going on and be in the moment. But that probably also helped you be successful.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it definitely, when we talk about this, this one memory just comes up a lot, which is that it was like Friday night. I lived in this uh, like duplex. Like I had a bunch of friends that lived upstairs and Mm -hmm. they were all like going out to a bar, like to, you know, a party, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm going to stay in. I have some work to do. And uh, I forget what song it ended up being, but it ended up being like a pretty successful song at the time. And, And it was like, had I gone out that night, you know that, that was like sort of a real trade-off in between like the, my personal life and my professional life
0: and you did that song in a night was it one of the remixes or something
1: i to be honest i don't remember exactly which yeah. one it is but but i remember it was one this was maybe 2011 something like that it was one that did pretty well and you're like it
0: was just it was let go <laughs> no, 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 okay. no it wasn't that one <laughs> you'd remember
1: <laughs> no it wasn't yeah. that one but it, it was a remix of some sort I, I just remember being a moment where i really specifically chose my career over my personal life and you know the There came a certain point of doing that always constantly that people kind of stopped. They were like, oh, he's just working, you know, and and it it became kind of a it wasn't like I stopped being their friend or anything like that. But it Mm -hmm. was like I wasn't as involved with that crew or that group of people. And there was many moments early on that I really just ignored my social life and really just like focused in on work, especially once I started touring. I mean, I was gone every weekend. And, you know, for most people, that's their time off. You know, for me, that was work time. So, yeah. so, or
0: like nights as well.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: And that's so different than a lot of people in their twenties. Not that people aren't very hardworking in their twenties, but it's still a pretty social time. So for you right. to be kind of putting that on the back burner must have been, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I don't think I developed a lot of those post-college friendships mm-hmm. that a lot of people develop, you know, and that I've realized that it's something that I need to actually work on and do something. So it's something I I kind of fixed later in life. But at the time, I really sort of just ignored it. I suddenly realized like, oh, I don't I don't have like a lot of close people, you know, around me. So it's kind of a weird thing to kind of, you know, at the height of success and all these like glamorous things or whatever. And then, you know, my social life just wasn't really there.
0: You'll hear artists or performers talk about that and how like being on the road, it also, you know, it makes it hard on personal relationships romantic relationships whatever but yeah to think of that also within the context of your 20s and this period where you're really kind of like solidifying your life in some ways and like figuring out what your routine is and kind of who your crew is which it can always change you know you're talking about I rectified it Yeah. yeah but that's so interesting that you were so hyper focused on that one area of your life that this other area of your life wasn't kind of measuring up when you looked back on it the way you wanted it to necessarily.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I I understand it from like my friend's perspective. It's like, oh well, he's just never around, you know? <laughs> like
0: Yeah, like we're not yeah. gonna expect it from him. Right. So it's not really leaving you out as much as like we're assuming it's gonna be a no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the the other side of it is like, may, this is maybe sort of a lesson that I've learned it's also okay to change friend groups and like it makes sense that you have more in common with different people over time you know I think a lot of post-college people try to like hang on to that college life you know what I mean and it's just it's gone (laughs) it's not it's never coming back
0: I um I oh my god, I haven't talked about my personal life to this extent on the podcast yet, but whatever. Here we Let's go. Do it. We're doing it. But um yeah, I remember in college, especially since I went to Northwestern and it was so nearby Chicago, there are always these people, and I sound like an asshole, but whatever, it's true. But there were these people who would like kind of hang around and like cling on to their college days, and you know, yeah. they'd be graduated and Working or whatever, but they just like come back every weekend and everyone was like, oh, a little cringe, you know, (laughs) but then I ended up having to do (laughs) not every weekend. I wasn't that bad, but to a certain extent, because I was dating a guy who was younger, so I was coming back to visit. And he was living there. So I had to like go to these parties. It was just like, oh, I was like, this is what I never wanted to be. Like, I never (laughs) wanted to be this person two years out of college, like going to formal, like it hurts my soul. But, you know, at the time did it for the relationship for the benefit of that. Still had fun, but there was always a part of me that was like, oh, yeah, like, you don't want to be someone who's holding on to the past too much, you know? <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. But um, anyways, <laughs> continue though with what you're saying.
1: No, it's, it's. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And like, I don't mean to knock people that kind of like cling on to that, but there's a certain point mm-hmm. where you do have to move on and sort of develop your life wherever you are, you know? I mean, unless you all live in the same city like that. Well, I
0: think in college as well as in your 20s, I think there's such a romanticized idea mm-hmm. of friendship. Even now with like social media and stuff, you'll see it like them being like, when that one person does this in the group chat, like this, that. And it's like, okay, yeah, we have that. But it's like it's kind of clinging on to this younger definition of friendship. Where right, it's really yeah. consistent, where everyone's in the same place, which in you know, high school and college is possible for the most part, unless someone leaves or transfers or whatever. Mm -hmm. But people grow up, they change, you know, personality types, you end up gravitating towards some more than others. And I think that it's actually really healthy. Even though it's sad and it kind of kills that romanticized idea of friendship, I think it's it's super healthy to kind of like grow in and out of people.
1: You yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's okay to reevaluate what you know, what you're getting out of uh, a exactly. certain relationship, you know. And I guess like at a certain point I'm just okay with certain friendships fading, you know, over time. I think it's okay. Yeah. Like I, I think back on especially early twenties, whatever, like I was a completely different person. And I was kind of having this thought when we were talking about 20s in general. And it's like, I, I think it's, it's a period where you sort of discover who you are, maybe who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And certain people discover it earlier. Than yeah, others. <laughs> we're
0: all on our own paths. But yeah, I think it I think that's a very fair generalization,
1: though. That was at least true for me. And that's the only experience I can speak about. And it was funny, because when I turned 30, that was really, it really was that switch for me. It was like, this is kind of who I am, you know?
0: Yeah, that was another question I was going to ask. How have your 30s so far compared to your 20s? Like, what differences do you think you've noticed?
1: Oh, it's awesome. It's great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I feel like everyone says that. It's so funny because I think it's a little different being a woman, especially a woman who like wants to act where it's very look centric and people are getting surgery and trying to stay as young as possible, whatever. So there's always going to be a part of me and I think a lot of women where it's like very scary to get into Mm -hmm. the 30s. But the more I talk to people in in their 30s, excuse me, the more they're like, it's the best like, (laughs) oh my god, you just finally get to like, chill out a little bit you've more figured out, it seems
1: Yeah, absolutely, and you know like, I completely understand that I'm coming from a pretty privileged position you know, like, like like as a a white male, basically, like, I'm aware that my 30s are probably a lot easier than maybe some other groups because of that, but like, again, just speaking my own experience, I think it's been great, and it's more like a sense of knowing who you are I, I keep going back to that, because that's that's what I think about. It's like, well, I know what I want for the most part. I'm still learning every day growing as a person, hopefully. Yeah, but... we,
0: we hope we're not <laughs> finished products, even in our 30s. But, you know, yeah.
1: you're, you're a little more comfortable with who you are and more accepting. And your choices are more rooted. You have more experience, maybe... I just feel kind of better about it. I mean, (laughs) you know, one thing that is a little bit taboo that a lot of people don't talk about is like, well, you're more financially stable. Um, Totally. I think that's a
0: huge part of it. Hundred percent.
1: You're depending on where you are in your career. You know, I think back on my twenties when I moved to Portland, I had like four hundred dollars in my bank account. Like it was like it's like let's go, guys. You know, let's let's (laughs) let's do this. Do I have
0: a month's worth rent? not really
1: <laughs> It's like no, I, I I can't even afford rent right now, you know. But yeah. it was it was that kind of like go 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 mentality mm, um, that you were talking about. Yeah, that that got me through that, and now mm-hmm. things are a lot more stable.
0: <laughs> yeah, now it now you're reaping the benefits. Yeah,
1: of, of, of that yeah. hard work. Yeah, but the the friend group thing was something that kind of took me a while to figure that out because mm-hmm. it, I mean, even to be honest, to date there are some people that's still hanging on to that college thing, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, to play devil's advocate, mm-hmm. it it does pass so much more quickly than you expect yeah. it to. I just remember when I first was moving out to LA, it was like, oh yeah, I'm I'm just out of college. Like, <laughs> and you kind of use that as a crutch. You're right. like, I'm still figuring things out. Right. But then you get to this point where like now I'm like, oh god, I'm almost 4 years out of college, <laughs> and you're like, I can't really be using that anymore. Like, <laughs> I'm still figuring things out, and I guess, you know, that's definitely a part of your 20s, going to be a part of life. But it really gets out from under you. Let me tell you, I'm a college away from college.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. right. It flies by, right?
0: (laughs) Insane. Oh, man. So kind of on that note, if you could go back, this is a cheesy question, but whatever, it fits. If you could go back, what advice would you give to your younger self when you were starting out, especially in your 20s?
1: Hmm. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, you're calling it a cheesy question, but it is a, like, it actually is a good question because it forces you to kind Thank of reflect. You. Like, maybe I would tell myself to like stress out a little bit less. Like, everything's going to be okay. You know, yeah. like, you're going to be fine.
0: I'm here now I'm <laughs> telling you. I'm looking at the statements. We're going to be okay.
1: Yeah, you, you'll be okay. Like, well, I mean, I gave you that example of, like, when I moved to Portland for, like, $400 in my bank account, like... Yeah,
0: <laughs> like and you was... probably didn't feel like you were going to be okay at that time, I'm no. sure. No,
1: I-, I was, like, I was, <laughs> You're like... You're
0: stressed, yeah.
1: Very stressed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially in the music industry where people take their time to pay you, it's, like, oh, it's, God. like, uh, yeah, it's... Is that it's, a thing? It's notorious. I mean, they take so long. That's I a mean,
0: crazy... What? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, sometimes they take you six to, to nine months to get paid for anything. Yeah, it's... Oh it's God. pretty gnarly.
0: Even waiting two weeks... When yeah. I did have my part-time kind of <laughs> set up, I'd be like, okay, like
1: time's well, you, you, up, you, you only see, one more
0: day, right?
1: Like, do you see what I mean when I'm talking about, like, I'm just like always moving forward because you always have to be like thinking ahead. Cause I'm like, oh, well that thing I did nine months ago finally paid out, you know? <laughs> like, I'm not... Wow.
0: Yeah. So it forces you to really have to think ahead in order to keep living, right? to keep getting paid.
1: Like wow. I, I'm getting, I'm getting paid right now for stuff that I did in 2017 so it's uh but i just focus on what i can control and move forward and just keep working and i know it'll add up in the long run but yeah it's it's a tricky thing
0: <laughs> so looking back your main advice would be stress less yeah I it's mean, gonna be
1: okay like i don't think the question is about regret the thing is like i think i did a lot of things right and there's a lot of pivotal moments where i did the right thing even against other people's like advice but it felt like the right thing and I'm glad I did that so I don't I don't have like that oh, I wish I did it this way or did it that way. No, and I I
0: think that's how the question's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's different for everyone. Some people are going to have regrets. I don't think it's super healthy to have regrets. I think it's more for people listening. I think it's like a positive message to be like, sometimes you just have to trust yourself. And I think that like in your 20s, especially when you're younger as well, it's like, I think a lot of growing into yourself, finding your voice, all these things we're saying are really about learning to trust your gut mm-hmm. and like you were saying you were making a lot of the right decisions you were making decisions you looked back to not regret it's sometimes hard to really trust it especially when you're getting so much input from other people i mean with my move back to the east coast mm-hmm. that's been something that's been really hard because like in my gut i felt like okay this is the right move for me like something's just telling me like it's time for the next chapter like I've been here for a minute but making these huge life decisions it's really hard to like have trust in yourself and not just think of like all the potential things that could go wrong which is not a fun thing to focus on at all. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I think that's great advice. And it's it's always nice to hear from someone who is kind of living out the other side of those decisions. Yeah. You know, like you're you're starting <laughs> to see the perks, you're starting to see more than four hundred dollars <laughs> right, in your right, bank right, right, account. Right.
1: But but this is also kind of a personality trait that I have. There's this test that I took in college called Finder. It's made by Gallup. It's like a... Interesting. They, they, they I they thought were, you were
0: going to say what's Myers the, the Briggs. Myers-Briggs. Yes. I, I think
1: I did take that one too. Yeah. But th- this one's more like it's about finding your strengths but I I remember the top strength that I got was self-assurance and that's the only one I remember. So I think I have this trait where I maybe a little bit of self-delusion and like once I make a decision, (laughs) I kind of stick with it. And like, if I think it's right, it's going to be right, you know? And um, so far it's proven to be okay. So yeah. So (laughs) So you
0: recommend it?
1: (laughs) I mean, just going back to what you're saying, like sort of like a gut check and like, if it feels right, don't second guess it too much and trust your instincts maybe.
0: Yeah, I think that's really good advice. And I don't know, it sounds easy or obvious, but it's really not. Yeah. It's it's, it's crazy how much. It's not, especially when you're inclined to stress or anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, So to use that to segue, because I'm working on my segues here, something that I like asking people on the podcast as, you know, one of the last questions is other than music, I'm going to say for you, because I'm assuming music's a huge outlet for you. Yeah, yeah. other than music, do you have any go-tos or things that you do when you're feeling anxious that help you come back to a place of calm or relieve that anxiety?
1: Yeah, well, therapy. <laughs> That's Everyone
0: <what> <laughs> knows, it's like, first of all, therapy. <laughs>
1: right, of course. But no, I actually, I, I think like having a creative outlet, I think is super important. And, and especially when your job is a creative outlet, right. that can muddy the waters a little bit. So I found that still finding something that you can be creative you're not trying to make money you're just trying to enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it just for the sheer creativity of it in my case that's photography that's become sort of my secondary passion whatever if you want to call it that and you were kind of talking about meditation earlier and um, i think meditation is really about finding that flow state and that's again a buzzword that gets thrown around but it really is finding that like where you're not really thinking about anything too much you're just kind of letting things kind of flow like the name implies right In a weird way, I get that in music. When I get in the zone and working on music, I I lose track of time. I'm just, you know, kind of working on things, not thinking about anything, not worrying about email, about what I'm doing tomorrow or anything. It's just this kind of cool moment where everything disappears. And I think you can find that in other forms of creativity. And I've been able to find that through photography and traveling and through touring, I've been fortunate that I always take some time to just kind of explore by myself and just kind of wander around with a camera and just do my thing. And that's been great because it sort of offsets the stress of travel. Totally. I
0: mean, that's the best part of traveling, just like Mm -hmm. walking around and experiencing different cities and places.
1: Yeah, remember traveling.
0: I know, remember (laughs) traveling. But yeah, I like that message as well. I feel like you kind of said two things. Like it was a two two-folded thing with the music because I agree with you that when you're trying to do something creative as your source of income, it can like muddy the waters, as you were saying, because it's like, now this is becoming stressful because I have to get this product out of it. But also, as you were saying, which it's really important to remember, this is why it's such a privilege to be doing something that you actually genuinely love. And you remember that when you enter those states of flow and you get to like- really experience like losing track of time and just getting totally caught up and invested in this one thing you're doing so so it's nice that even though there are stressful sides of what you're doing obviously like coming out with an album touring stuff like that the business side for you I'd imagine would get stressful at times that you do still have that component of it that's kind of working against that
1: it makes it all worth it right (laughs) makes all the headache worth it and there's maybe another side of it too which is Mm -hmm. kind of owning what you do, right? Like it can be stressful to run your own business or kind of be your own boss in a way, but it's also extremely rewarding when it works out and that makes all that stress worth it. I had this professor in college that wasn't a great professor but he he, he, <laughs> he he said something that stuck with me that if you choose an entrepreneurial life you'll be stressed out every day but you'll never regret it and i really believe in that and like it can be quite stressful especially when you're trying to pay rent or something <laughs>
0: yeah and, and you can't blame anyone else too that's yeah it. all but yourself
1: right but you're in charge of it and yeah. you reap all the benefits on the flip side so it's you have a real sense of pride of ownership of like I built this, this is mine, you know, with some help along the way, of course, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So I've learned to become like quite grateful for that.
0: Yeah. I love that message because I think those are themes that just like based on my life end up bleeding into the podcast one way or another, Um, you know, having that entrepreneurial spirit and then also just like pursuing something you're passionate about and how it's going to have really high highs and really low lows. And that's just kind of a part of it. And that's, that's just how it works. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go because I've taken up a good amount of your time. We've already had two bathroom breaks, so... to put it into context for the listeners you know commercial yeah, I, I, right. <laughs> I do commercial breaks is what we like to call them these days but thank you so so much for coming on andre um this has been amazing do you want to just tell everyone where they can find you plug all your stuff yeah, yeah 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 well
1: first of all thank you so much for having me this is so much fun it's, it's honestly a, a kind of a subject matter i don't really get to talk about a lot especially not in depth totally. and you know i get to talk about my career or whatever but like yeah. not really from the personal side of it so th- this has been great so thank you. Okay, so plugging stuff. Yes. Yes. So just Mm -hmm. pretty much any platform you want, just like slash RAC. That's me. Amazing.
0: Uh, Instagram, it's just at RAC, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just at RAC. um, Yeah, on everything. Yeah, I think. Cool. I haven't got TikTok of all, of all places. Like, come
0: on! Yeah, you're being advertised <laughs> there. You gotta see some of your ads. I have TikTok, but it was like such a fail. I tried for a day, and I was like, this is exhausting, honestly.
1: I'm not even gonna try. I just like post videos of my cats. That's it.
0: That would be a different
1: TikTok vibe. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, pretty much like all platforms you want, just slash at rac, and you know Spotify, just rac. I don't know. It's like I <laughs> make me it pretty up. easy. You <laughs> Three <have Google>. letters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so. Everyone go follow him. Please listen to his new album, Boy. It's so, so good. And there are so many amazing, talented artists on it as well. Also follow him on Twitter, where he is followed by Barack Obama casually. <laughs> I was weirdly thinking about that the other day. I don't know why. Oh, it's That's- so
1: funny. Yeah. I think it was a point where he was still following people back, and then he stopped yeah. doing that. But it's funny, because I've DM'd him, because I can DM him. And uh, yes. it was like, hey, bro, what's up? Like, scene, no reply. You know? I was <laughs> like, okay. I'd like to think that he saw it, you know?
0: Yeah, I- <laughs> I think it was definitely him and not one of, <laughs> you know, the many people working for Just him. That's thousands what, that's, of aides, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like his intern. He's like, Ugh.
1: Another people- person. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so everyone, go follow him, and then also follow me at ckny1213 and at WTF Sup Pod. And you know, tell a friend if you enjoyed this episode so that they can hear about it. And yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> well,
1: no, thank you, and thanks to everybody who listened. Appreciate you.
0: <laughs> Bye, guys.